Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. In soccer, we trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside, sorry, alongside Charlie Davies. I couldn't even get that one out. Who, if fits, <laughs> should also be considered at the number nine spot for this World Cup roster because why not? And we're being joined, like always, by Walker Zimmerman's number one fan and publicist, according to the internet, Hollywood Heath Pierce. And before we jump into the exciting action that occurred from some Americans this weekend, like Jesse Marsh, Kat Macario, Tyler Adams, Tima Weah, Lindsey Horan, Brendan Aronson, etc. It's time to do a temperature check with the boys. And Heath, I'm coming to you first. What's shaking? Uh, yeah, I, 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 Jimmy sent me a, a text this morning saying uh, something about somebody on the internet. And I went and looked and I realized that we were tagged in like a hundred message chain, basically attacking me. Uh, because I said Zimmerman is sort of the lock as a center back right now. So I'm excited to continue to defend his honor uh, and, and get crushed for uh, it. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I love sending you early morning texts uh, when people are slandering you on the internet. Charlie, I didn't have any of that for you because everybody loves Charlie Davies. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, I'm excited for the national team to get together and start to see you know, if there's some of these these newcomers can come in and make a difference. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, and we're going to get your thoughts on the roster in the second half of this show. We got we got got big news. We got we got an American manager doing something that an American manager has never really had the opportunity to do because Bob Bradley only lasted eighty five days with Swansea, but Jesse Marsh comes in in the hot seat, takes over for an absolute legend in Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds, and gets them to stay up survives relegation Leeds is now staying up. And I think that's important because, and, and I wanted to add here that since the last time that happened, when a team like Leeds was in the relegation zone on the last day of the premier league and escaped on the last day was Wigan back in 2011. So it's been a long time since we've had this type of drama. Uh, Heath, I'm going to come to you on this. How important is this? And what does Jesse Marsh symbolize? Do you feel like because of what he's accomplished, and obviously he's going to have to prove it again next season with Leeds, but do you feel like this could open up more opportunities for American managers moving forward, similar to how certain players over in Europe have given opportunities for the next wave of guys to get a chance as well? I don't know if we'll, you'll actively feel like the floodgates have opened because of him keeping a team in the Premier League, but I certainly think that there is a again another notch on a belt of uh, building respect for the American player, the American manager, and these types of things because of what he got the team through. He's now uh, what I would consider a, a well-regarded manager for Leeds. And that's a massive club historically, right? It's a huge, huge club. And what he's done for them, uh, I think will will put him in, in history with the club in, in a very special light, regardless of where it ends. Obviously, every job ends with likely being fired. Uh, but for, for this exact moment, uh, for him to be able to do that and do it in the, in the fashion that they did after going through what they went through, I think is uh, certainly going to at least help uh, shed a more positive light globally for not necessarily the people super in the know, because I think the people super in the know have a respect for, for Americans, but more the the peripheral fan that sort of just still viewing the U.S. coaches and players in the same way that they did 10 years ago in just this lazy fashion of like, oh, yeah, big country, some decent football, but overall pretty average. Okay, let's throw some stats at you, Charlie. I want to get your thoughts on Jesse Marsh. Of course, since he took over for Marcelo Bielsa, 
expected goals being scored uh, jumps. They're like 1.51 under Jesse Marsh. That would be the Premier League rank would be ninth. Okay, I found these stats for us during that time. He, they would be ninth. Expected goals against was 1.59. That is uh, the Premier League rank was 12th over that same time period. Expected goal difference, negative 0.08, which actually was 10th. And then the expected points per game, 1.28, which was also 10th in terms of the Premier League rank over that period of time since Jesse Marsh took over, which is comfortably mid-table. And he did it without some significant players. Calvin Phillips, who anchors the back line, or excuse me, the, the midfield. You got Liam Cooper, anchors, anchors the back line. And then Patrick Bamford, who was scoring all their goals under Bielsa the season before when they had a great run. I think that more respect has to be paid to Jesse Marsh and, and what he's accomplished, especially because he had to live in the Bielsa shadow. I agree in the sense that it was a difficult job to come into to keep them in the Premier League. I mean, they had lost 6-0 to Liverpool and 4-0 to Tottenham is when he came in. That's mm -hmm. 10 goals you've given up and, and have scored zero. So you 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 almost felt like the squad was on the, the brink of, of giving up, of throwing in the towel in terms of, oh, is this a realistic opportunity? Um, opportunity to stay in the Premier League this year. So he comes in, he brings in, you know, that culture, uh, an injection of of hope and positivity and, and bringing the team together and playing off of that, the emotion of it all. I think he did a masterful job in rallying the, the locker room. But if you're talking about the grand scheme of, of managers, the grand scale across the, the, the globe, it, it's not going to really – change the 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 perception of the american manager he's still looked at as you know ted lasso in in, in a lot of these God uh, damn ted lasso. you know the modern ted lasso uh, in a lot of these circles so it's really going to dictate what he does next year in, in terms of what people uh how people perceive an american manager how people perceive jesse mars is where Leeds united ends next year a full preseason he saved them this year which is incredible but where he's going to be judged is next season. Where does this team finish? Are they competing for a European spot? Are they in the top half of the table? If they if they continue to progress and they are uh, at, at that stage, mm -hmm. then I'd say then people are going to say, hey, let's give American managers the benefit of the doubt. Let's give them a chance now. Let, right. Maybe we're going to start to see the door open a little bit wider for American managers. Now, it's not that he just came right from MLS and got an opportunity. He still had to work the back channels and go through, you know, the Red Bull system. So I think that might still have to be the way for an American manager to, to make it is coming through as an assistant manager and working your way up in Europe. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that he was on a five game unbeaten streak. OK, he had beaten Wolves 3-2 away from home. They beat or they drew with Southampton 1-1 at home. Uh, they beat Watford away 3-0. They draw with Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park, so away from home 0-0. And then they get Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea. That's their run. Okay, and they play those, those teams in a short period of time. And, and Man City beats them 4-0. Arsenal beats them 2-1. And they had red cards. And then Chelsea, that game, they had a red card. They, they lost to Chelsea 3-0. And people were like, this guy sucks. This guy's like a terrible... I'm like, look at, look at the schedule, man. Like, I, I just, it's just interesting for me that how quick people are ready to, to cast off. It, it could have been anybody, I guess, at that point, just because of the love they had for Bielsa. And, and because Jesse Marsh was an American, I feel like there's added weight to that. Now, Heath, the, man, the owner, excuse me, of Leeds has come out and said, and I, I've got a quote for him, so I don't want to... He came out and said, staying in the Premier League was our objective this year, and we managed to obtain our top flight status. This is Leeds United owner, Andrea Rajazani. Uh, Radrizani, I'm not even saying it right, but this is not success and improvements are needed. That's what he said. As a board, we will work hard with Jesse Marsh this summer to improve the squad and find a way to deliver the kind of performances you all deserve. We believe that with time and a full preseason, Jesse will be the man to take this club forward. And in one of those things, Heath Pierce, it looks like Brendan Aronson from RB Salzburg is on the move for around 30 million euros. What are your thoughts on Aronson coming? It's another American, so I already mm -hmm. feel like the fans are gonna be like, all right, an American guy sending an American player. This isn't this is guy isn't that good. You know, we're gonna go through this whole this thing once again. Yeah, I mean the the upside for Leeds right now is we could we can we can accept a little bit of this uh, what people might see as nepotism at some point, but 
the 49ers, I think 49ers enterprises or 49ers ventures or whatever are continuing to increase their stake in the club, their ownership in the club. And so it makes sense to have an American player. It makes sense to have an American manager at times. However, Jesse keeping a club in the league. And we saw this with, with uh, who was it that was a Stuttgart or something when they stayed in the league and everybody went nuts. Uh, and they were talking about, I think it was somebody from Bayern talking about how you know they're celebrating like they won the league. It's a big deal financially for the club. It's not success. But failure was a single point away, and that was a catastrophic failure. And so keeping Jesse, I think, is, is the right thing. Now, Leeds as a club are, are hugely ambitious and, a like I said before, a massive club. Brendan Aronson is ready to play in the Premier League. I think Brendan Aronson has similar skill sets to a Jack Harrison, who obviously came up huge in that game, uh, to a number of players in terms of his speed and pace, being able to play at the level of the Premier League for a club like Leeds United. So it all makes sense to me. It's just a matter, as Charlie said, you go into next season, you got a lot to prove. You're going to start with your preseason. And then, depending on the schedule, you might get punched in the face for your first five games and you got to figure it out. And you don't get any sort of leash. Now, I think Jesse Marsh has earned himself a little bit more time with this fan base and with this ownership group based on the things that I said before. But uh, I don't think any of those, I don't think Jesse, bringing Jesse in or, or bringing Brendan Aronson in are based on the fact that somebody owns a little bit and they just happen to be American, by the way. All right, let's talk, uh, Charlie, about Brendan Aronson and how you think he can fit into this team. I assume they're going to keep Rafinha at this point, who obviously is a, a massive catalyst for their attack. Bamford will come back healthy. You think they'll uh, keep him? Well, I, I think they want to keep him. I don't know if they'll end up staying, right? I think there's some big suitors that'll come in and try to get him. But with regard to Brendan Aronson, six goals and 10 assists for the Austrian champions, RB Salzburg. Uh, he also set up a pair of goals in the Champions League round of 16, the first time the club's ever been to the knockout rounds in the Champions League against Bayern Munich. Uh, and and I think that he can play multiple positions and have mm -hmm. success. We've already talked about it with the U.S. men's national team. I will say, and go on the record and feel very comfortable saying this, that he's better than Daniel James. Daniel James had four goals and four assists for Leeds this season. I think he works hard, and, and uh, you're never going to get any... I'm not going to doubt his energy and his desire to want to make plays. I just think Brendan Aronson's more savvy and and uh, a better Daniel James and, and provides different looks because he can play in multiple positions. Not that Daniel James can't, but I just think that Brendan Aronson will be an upgrade on that particular player. Well, don't tell, tell well, Wales about, about that. <laughs> um, you know, <clears throat> I, I think it does benefit Brendan Aronson because he can play so many different positions in a system for, for Jesse Marsh. You know, you're not relying on him just to be a 10 or just to be a right winger, a right midfielder. He he can play on the left. He can play on the right because he's just active and he's, he's intelligent. So with players like that, they have to grow. And this is another challenge. I want to see Brandon Aronson tested. Not that Salzburg is not a place to go get tested, but if you're talking about major league soccer and, and the Austrian league, I would, I would say MLS is going to give you a better competition. Um, at least the, t the better side. So, you go into the Premier League, you know, Jack Harrison had a Charlie, Charlie, real former quick, MLS player, though, yeah, former but, MLS but, player, Jack what, Harrison. What, would right. you say, would you say, Charlie, that the daily environment of an RB Salzburg is a better environment than an MLS team, though? But the yeah, league in itself, I, the matches are, yes. are, are lower level. Yeah. I would say, obviously, it depends on the club that you're at. But if you're going to Salzburg, the professional environment and the mentality is, is, more demanding than it is in Major League Soccer because there's a lot more on the line. There's a lot of players who are using Salzburg as a launch pad. They're, they, they're going to Salzburg as a stepping stone. It's not a place where you come to finish your career. It's, a, it's almost a place where you come to start your career. And for Aronson, he's playing along all these talented young younger players across the globe who are, who are using their skills to, to try and get a Bundesliga club or a Premier League club or a La Liga club or a Serie A club to come in and, and spend the money on them. So uh, I think naturally it's a great place for him to now launch himself into the Premier League. It's going to be a test. It's going to be a tough test um, because this isn't a this is a squad that has a lot to prove. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Jesse Marsh and Brandon Aronson because uh, of one the amount of money that it's going to take to to bring him to to Leeds United. And so when you have all these players like, hey, you just paid thirty million to to come in here, then you better bring the goods from day one. That you're not going to get six months to adjust in the Premier League. You get maybe a game or two, but but not six months. So, um, you know, if he can succeed now, Brent Aronson goes from fringe starter. You know, he's in he's in the conversation to he's got to be on the pitch come World right. Cup. 
So right. um, it's a great move from for him because regardless, it's a win-win. You either excel and you're playing in the prem and you're scoring or you're, you're getting 90 minutes consistently that you have to be on the pitch come World Cup or you're still in that environment and you're still going to get playing time. Maybe you're not a starter in the World Cup, but it's going to ultimately advance you as a player. Can I, Jimmy, let me ask you this. Where where Brendan Aronson is going, right? Likely in the range of thirty million, and and to a club that just survived relegation. Now, you go back ten years, we would have been like, "Oh yeah, this is the best player we got at U.S. Soccer, right? He's going to the, he's going to the Premier League. Like we'd mm-hmm. be so excited uh, surviving relegation." But do you think that we're now obsessed with this growth trajectory of players that? Uh, are like even fans or like should should we be satisfied at a Brendan Aronson if he were to cap out at a Leeds as a spot starter or a starter in the Premier League for a mid to lower mid table team during that time there that that's a good thing or 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 you know like what what do you think his ceiling is could he go to a bigger club than that he was linked to what well on and uh, well, time, other, time, yeah time, you know. t- times change right I, I agree I mean I think we saw Josh Sargent try to do something similar where he went to a team that he knew was going to struggle. Maybe, maybe Leeds, there's more upside, right? Whether Bielsa at that time, because they were trying to sign Aronson in the January transfer window for 20 million. And Salzburg said no for, for multiple reasons. One was they thought that was too low. And secondly, they wanted to play in the Champions League and they wanted their best players to be performing in that. Or a game. Yeah, two games, two games. <laughs> two games. <laughs> but, but Salzburg is a good stepping stone to Charlie's point. You have uh, Erling Holland started there. Uh, Adeyemi is now making his move from Salzburg to to the Bundesliga. You have uh, Dominic Zobslai, who with RB Leipzig. So you have all these players. They didn't make that initial jump to the Premier League. They went to the Bundesliga first. And so I wonder if there was one more step in his journey before going to attack the Premier League in this way. But it's going to be impossible to, to turn that down. And obviously he played for Jesse Marsh at RB Salzburg. There's already a relationship, a developed relationship there. So he already knows, or Jesse Marsh does, how to press the buttons of Brendan Aronson and get the best out of him. It's a nice situation for him to walk into, but maybe there is another step in between that that could have been a, a little bit of a buffer before he took that that big, big step to the Premier League in a situation where there's going to be some struggle. So, well, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, I, go yeah. ahead, go ahead, Charlie, go ahead. Yeah, I would say, you know, I look at one player who... Didn't have a, a, a long uh, stint in, in the Bundesliga, which was He Chan Huang from, from Wolves uh, as a striker with, with Salzburg. Goes to RB Leipzig, natural progression, same mm-hmm. family. Then goes to Wolves and has had success. I mean, he was good. I wouldn't he was say good. overwhelming. He was good I, I would say I wouldn't say overwhelming success. But, um, you know, for Brendan Aronson, and back to Heath's original question, you want your players tested. And, you know, you go back 10 years and you'd say, this is a, a hallelujah moment. You, you Whether you're playing at Fulham, because that was like, if you played at Fulham, you've made it. It's done. And you look at Brian McBride, Bocanegra, Dempsey. There was no, hey, we got to get him to Liverpool or Arsenal or Chelsea or playing in Champions League. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just playing in the, in the Prem was acceptable and more than acceptable. It was the holy grail. We're good. Now it's. Oh, we have players playing in Champions League. We have players playing at Chelsea, Juve. So I think that's just comes with the growth of the game and also the growth of the American player. We're we're getting quality coaching at younger ages. Players are going over at 14 to European uh academies and growing there. So yeah, it, it's continuing to push. And I think Brand Aronson, if he has success at elites, he can definitely have success at a top club. And if it's not the Prem, it's in Syria, it's in the Bundesliga, or it's in La Liga. Yeah, his quality will shine through. And ultimately, I think what we're probably all saying the same things or, or like trying to say the same things, but in different ways, is that uh, he just needs that platform and that opportunity to, to shine. And at Salzburg, he would get that. Maybe that next step, Charlie, would be a Bundesliga team, to your point, um, about Huang. And and then he as he shined there, then it's like they trust him a little bit more because he did it not just in Austria, but he did it in Germany. And then right. now he's ready to go. Well, so there's it, a little bit of that trust you got to earn as well. Even, even not so much trust, it's just chances, right? Like there's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. the Premier League doesn't care. Like Charlie, uh, uh, not Charlie, um, Brendan Aronson going in at 30 million is massive for us as Americans. But Leeds doesn't care. 
30 million flop, no problem. Made a bad decision. Moving on. Doesn't mean they're going to go buy another 30 million. But I don't know. If, I don't know if it's. Uh, I don't. I don't know if 30 million is is 30 million like a Chelsea 30 million. 30 million uh-huh. at Leeds is still a considerable. Transfer. It, it is. It is. But it doesn't mean you're going to get a free season. You know, like yeah. you're not going to. And I don't mean they're going to go out and spend it again. It's going to be seen as a flop. But they're going to have 27 players deep that they'll just go with the next guy. You know, like you're yeah. going to probably you're going to probably get more more chances. But I mean. Ricardo Pepe is an example of, of of twenty in a situation where you know probably somebody went rogue and and, and spent that money, but thirty million you're going to get chances, you're going to get your looks, but you're not going to get a free pass for a season in the Premier League, especially no. when you're fighting relegation and the coach's job is on the line and the players' jobs are on the line, and it, there's just that sort of insecurity. Like you get a couple games, like you said, in, in yeah. the season, and you might be out for a while. So we got a comment here from Nathan who says 30 million for Aronson seems like a lot. Now he does have a Canada avatar. So let's just take that into consideration. <laughs> we appreciate you, Nathan. Appreciate your support. I, I, We're going to have I, a Canadian international on the, on the show very soon. Just so uh, you're ready for that. So I will say that I think, Charlie, I'm going to jump in. I think there's a bit of a, you know, how there's an English tax around for some of the English players like mm-hmm. Harry Maguire wasn't worth 80 million, but because you have to have a certain amount of English players in your team. Well, Rafinha could leave for 55 and Holland's coming in for 60. So like, it's a weird, you know, it's a weird market. Yeah. Right. But then you have, you have, I think there's an American tax in some ways. I think when you, when there's American owners, Chelsea, we could argue Chelsea overpaid for Christian Pulisic, but they probably knew that in some ways, either Nike, who was his sponsor at the time, obviously sponsors the club was going to offset that cost in some capacity. They're going to market him more in the U S you're going to sell more Chelsea jerseys. I think there's something with that with Leeds. I think Augsburg probably saw it the same way. Like, hey, we got American owners. We want an American player in our team. We don't care how much he costs. We just want to make sure that our team, our club is on the radar of Americans when, when they're thinking about European teams. I, I, I could be wrong there, but I get the sense that there might be well, a 5 to $10 million increase because we got American players who could be highly marketable. Well, I'd also say, let's not get it twisted. There's not another Premier League club that's coming in for $30 million for Brandon Aronson. Not mm-hmm. one other. Jesse Marsh is pushing that one. Jesse Marsh was the but one. That was happening. That, that was Bielsa. That was, that was Bielsa, Bielsa pushing yeah. it. But that's but not the for, one not that for 30, but not really for 30. pushed for thirty million. Jesse Marsh is pushing for that. He's signing off on that. There's not another club in the Premier League that would pay that much money for Brian Aronson. So, uh, to Kai seven eighteen, I see him with that um, comment. It's a risky move. It is a risky move for but Marsh. But it could pay off and big, though. It could. Like like all moves, there's positives and negatives. Course, but this one is a, a risky uh, si- signing for thirty million when you just managed to stay in the prem, and that's your first signing. That's sending I, a message that he's going to be an important player for the club next year. I will say, using using um, Jack Harrison as an example, I didn't think that he would be as good as he was. At least last season. This year was a little bit a little bit different of a season for the whole club. But like, I didn't think he had. Leeds United upside in in the way that he has and the impact that he had last season. And so I, I I do think there's some sort of hedging of your bets that it's not just spending money blindly because he's an American guy, that he thinks that Brendan Aronson could solve some of his problems, could be a guy that gets him, you know, everything's going into this like basically XG now uh, of like marginal gains of like investment into the returns mm-hmm. on this player could create X amount of chances for my team over a full season. This is what production looks like. Like that's literally the level of, of data that's going into these signings now that he probably has some significant information. Wasn't he one of the biggest chance creators in, in, in the, in the champions league group stages, as well as a couple that's of right. these things where it's like, he he's, he's busy and, and under the system that Jesse wants to play and the pressing system that Jesse's probably going to want to play. You know, you start to see uh, a player there that could contribute in a lot of ways. I think that's probably the the major selling point too, Heath, and I'm glad you brought that up because he wasn't, he's just doing it against, you know, Austria, Vienna or Rapid Vienna and Austria. He's also doing it against Sevilla. He's doing it against Bayern Munich. He's showing that he can hold his own against some of the best players in the world. Now, we're going to move on to our next topic because we could talk about this all day, but I do want to leave everybody with this. Paul Robinson, who grew up in the Leeds youth system, played for Leeds, was capped by England 41 times, says that whether Jesse Marsh got relegated or not, this was prior to the game this past weekend, he's going to get fired by December. So we got to get either Paul Robinson on the show and we can discuss this with him in person, or I can just tell him to suck it because I don't think that's going to happen, Paul Robinson, but uh, I appreciate uh, your belief in Jesse Marsh. All right, moving on to the next one. I want to talk about the women because we have two U.S. women's national team players who won the Women's Champions League this past weekend for Lyon their eighth ever Women's Champions League title over Barcelona, who were 
a freight train. Nobody could stop them. They scored three goals in the first 35 minutes, including Kat Macario, who scored the first American to score in a Champions League final. And Lindsey Horan also started and played 90 minutes in this one. It's a big deal and continues, I think, to prove that we continue to create world-class players. Charlie, I'm coming back to you on this. Kat Macario, she was the Women's Player of the Year twice when she played for Stanford in college. She won two national championships. She wins wherever she goes. She left before her senior year at Stanford to go sign with Leon. They clearly recognized her talent. She got naturalized at a citizen, as a citizen, and now she represents the U.S., she is our future. There's no question. With all due respect to everybody before her and uh, in, in the, the ground that they laid, she is going to really, I think, take take uh, the mantle, as it were, and, and run with it. I think she's an incredibly special player. I, I think you're right. And I think in the beginning, many people thought her fitness was the issue, keeping up at that pace for 90 minutes at the highest level and having – I think it would have to take her some time getting used to that level of fitness and, and the intensity. She's doing just that. She's always had the skill set. That that was never the issue. It was the work rate and the consistency at which the level of performance is going to need for her to be the top women's player in the world and to conti- continue the, the the dominance for the U.S. Men's, uh, women's national team. I look at her and I'm like, oh, she's she's a full-blown star. She's got it. Um and this win with Leon and being one of the primetime players for the club, she, she's got it going on. And I think for me, it's, it's just a, a great moment for the U.S. women's team because you have two players playing in Europe, competing for a Champions League, and getting to partake in that environment, a, a sold-out crowd. It looked amazing. And yeah, what a game, too. I mean, what a game. That, that's what it's about. So I'm, I'm happy, and I know – the U.S. women's team can rely on her to, to lead the way. Yeah, in good hands, Heath Pierce, right? Lindsay yeah. Horan quietly doing her business in the middle of midfield. That's another good sign for just the spine of our team, that we have someone like Horan, who's obviously getting this experience, but that that she can, can connect with Kat McCarty, who also played 90 and, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. scored. Yeah, I, th- I think all of this is this is is so connected to the growth of the sport uh, as well. You know, them going over, Macario going over uh, and having this success that she's doing is forcing uh, NWSL to have to get more serious, get more professional, up the wages, all the things that we're seeing, the benefit and growth of uh, out of risk of seeing the rest of the world professionalize in a way that's creating more options and opportunities. I think that's great. And it's only going to strengthen our, our squad, that diversity of style of play. We're seeing the decoupling of the contracts of players with the national team. So they need to be in these environments. And now you're talking about a Champions League winners, a Champions League goal scorer. I think that's huge for, again, the diversity of this group of getting different experiences that are only going to make our women's national team stronger than they already are, which is kind of hard to imagine, but necessary knowing that the rest of the world is starting to uh, uh, invest in infrastructure around the women's game. For our women to stay at the top, it's going to get harder and harder and harder to be the best um, at the level that they are. That's why I'm glad they're still doing it at the top with one of the best clubs in the world with Leon. Now, they weren't the only Americans that won a trophy this past weekend. Another one, Tyler Adams, won it with RB Leipzig. And that was a pretty dramatic game in the DFB Pokal final, Charlie, against Freiburg. Both clubs were going for their first ever major trophy. RB Leipzig down 1-0 early. Christopher Nkunku, who Bundesliga Player of the Year for obvious reasons, uh, a tremendous for RB Leipzig this particular season. Scores with not too much time left to send it into extra time. RB Leipzig goes down two men, two red cards. So they're down two. Tyler Adams comes in in the 99th minute in extra time, holds it down. Despite being down two men, they go to penalties and RB Leipzig survives four to two. This is a big deal, not only for RB Leipzig and 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 I guess that whole model that that Red Bull has created, but also for Tyler Adams. It's important to win trophies earlier on in your career because you can continue to want to have that motivation. Not that he didn't have it already, but it's a good positive sign for him. And I wonder, I wonder if that's his last match with this club before he moves somewhere else. Yeah. You you have to just think Tedesco is not a big fan of Tyler Adams because typically the only way Tyler Adams isn't on the pitch is because he's injured. He he's healthy, so I, I'm I'm happy he won the title. I think I think the world of him as a person, but going to a new situation I think will be best for him at this point because he's obviously not first choice, and whether they do sell. You know, Lamer, because they're talking about him going to, to Munich or not. 
for me, I'd like to see him grow. So going to the Premier League, going to Syria, I think those are the two leagues that I really would like to see him play in. Okay, now, Heath, there has been some rumors, and I think it might just be too much American, but Leeds are actually interested in maybe signing Tyler Adams. <laughs> this is when we start to lose credit, Jimmy, is when I mean, everybody is, gets league, linked just, to one I know, club that's what I'm American. Saying, is, can't do it. You, you is, can't I, do you it. Can't. I feel like there's like, can't we, do it. We, we can only sign one American at, I mean, once a year if Jesse Marsh is in charge. You can't just yeah. bring over everybody. <laughs> to be fair, when full America happened, when full America happened, nobody said anything. We were all just happy to just keep putting all of our players <laughs> yeah. at Fulham. Just yeah, yeah. Keep, Casey keep Keller. <laughs> yeah. 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 Marcus Hanneman. Yeah. Brian was, McBride, uh, Demarcus was, Beasley, not Demarcus, yeah. uh, Carlos Negra, Clint Dempsey. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was it was great. But yeah, it, it's uh, again, I don't know, like weirdly the style of play I think fits Tyler Adams, but I don't think you can do it. I think Charlie's spot on in terms of where he needs to go. I do want to see him maybe test himself in a different type of system or scenario right he's been in he's been in a one system his entire career so far as a player which plays well when you see him on the national team and his recovery speed and putting out fires and being able to allow the team to take strategic risks or it kind of put the press up in front of you I think that's been great but I'd love to see what kind of player he is just because he's been in the system I think it's been to the detriment of his ability to be part of build-up play and he's still young enough right his build-up play his range of passing a lot of these things weren't prioritized in the Red Bull system. The Red Bull system mm-hmm. is built around winning the ball and pressing well and getting the ball into higher space up the field to get to the goal quicker. And I think, again, that's been to the detriment of the type of player that he could be. Because if you remember really early on, he was much more, I don't want to say comfortable on the ball, but I saw a little bit more flashes of his ability to be a little bit more of that six with that's a metronome, a little more comfortable in build-up play and connecting the lines and things like that that I don't think we've seen as much of. And we've he's been more heralded for his transition play, his ability to win balls, compete, like all these types of things. Um, so we'd love to see him go into a scenario where there's a little bit more of that pressure on him to develop that part of his game. Yeah, I'm excited to see what his situation ends up being because to Charlie's point, if Lamer ends up going, the player that plays in front of him, Conrad Lamer, just want to shout out another Conrad out there, goes to Bayern. Obviously, that could open up some time and maybe the manager, Domenico Tedesco for RB Leipzig would be more open to him staying and could promise him more minutes because some of the other players ahead of him are going to leave. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Leeds. I don't think he'll go there either. Is Calvin Phillips going to stay? Is he going to go? I don't even know if that spot is available for him if Calvin Phillips stays or what he would do. Even even if they had the funds, you you can't you can't you, can't, you, can't. you just can't do it. You, you, yeah, you literally would would be there'd be pitchforks out there. No more Americans. Literally, you know, would be Americans. putting the job in your hands within like two weeks. It'd be like okay, if they don't see an immediate result, let's just say it takes them a little bit longer to adjust. Right. They're not going to give Jesse Marsh any time. If they right. said, "All right, right, you can you can go get who you want with these funds," and he brings in two Americans that just don't do well, <laughs> you, just, you can't even do that to yourself. Even if it was the right thing to do and the right player to get, you cannot do it. <laughs> that really speaks to the perception of how Americans yes. uh, are are looked at. All right, so now my favorite news: he didn't win a cup per se. But the man is on fire. Timo Weah scored two goals this weekend. It gives him three goals and an assist in his last two games in Liga. After not registering either one of those things. <laughs> Which gives him three goals games. and two assists on the season. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, goal and assist last week against Nice. He had uh, goal, two goals against Rennes. They should have held on to it. They gave up a last-minute one to end that one 2-2. For everybody that didn't see it, the goalkeeper made a bit of a meal of the first one he Tim, team aware though you got to create your own luck puts himself in a good spot mm-hmm. follows up on on the shot and, and uh puts that one in and the second one is probably my favorite like 83rd minute everybody the game's in the balance Timo Wea makes an, an incredible run from midfield the cross comes in he gets he beats everybody too it gets to the near post and scores and and that if you can find that second goal the timing of his run, his recognition, his awareness, obviously his ability to finish in that spot, his commitment to get to that spot. I loved every single minute of it. And he's in the number nine spot when he's doing that. Mm. And I think that mm. begs a question, resident number nine, Charlie Davies, mm. as to do you think based on these performances, because he was playing more centrally and a little bit higher for Leal over these last two games, where again, he scored three goals and had an assist that that could maybe bend the ear or influence Greg Berhalter in potentially trying him 
especially against their two toughest opponents in this upcoming window, Morocco and Uruguay. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to be writing an article for MLS. For, oh, my. For, he writes. He did for the, that for the number renaissance nine. man over what here. What does he not do? But, but, <laughs> have but, you seen his quads, too? Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I would say I have I have three pots when it comes to the number nine striker position right now for the U.S. Men's National Ooh, team. Do tell. I want to hear. So if you're looking at the current group of who this, can Wait, play, is this pot number one? We consider this pot. <laughs> so this is pot one for me right now. Okay. The current group. And, and this is... I think an indication of how many nines he wants in the squad. There's not okay. too many okay. players who can be just the nine. So right now you have Jesus Ferreira, who's on fire, who's played in the World Cup qualifying as a nine. Haji Wright, who's brought in, really can only play the nine. And Timo Weah, who obviously can play on the wings in wide areas, and that's where he's been playing for the U.S. But with Lille, he's played up top. He's played on the right. So that's your third player who can play a- as the nine. But ultimately, I'd say there's four. I'd still say Ricardo Pepe is in that pot one still, even though he hasn't really done it with with um, Augsburg. And pot two, Jordan Pifolk, we've seen what he can do. Um, very limited in, in what you get, but you know what you're getting from him, but it's very limited. Uh, Josh Sargent, Daryl DK, and Matthew Hoppy. I'd say that's pot two. Okay. And then pot, pot three is Giochini. Uh, um, Jeremy Abobasi, Brandon Vasquez, and Jordan Morris. I'd say that's Abobasi. Yeah, pot I like three. that. He's been hot for the Quakes this year. He, he has. Um, so and and Greg Berhalter's seen plenty of them. He's played on the wing. I think he's he's gotten a little bit better in terms of this season coming for the ball, keeping it, um, and uh, and getting to the wing as well. Mobility, I'd say. So I'd say those are your three pots right now. Now things can change, like. We've seen it. it. All it takes is an injury. Maybe someone gets an opportunity. From month to month, it can be completely different. All these things can be flipped upside down. But I'd say currently, that's what we're looking at as far as your nines. This will be an interesting camp because Jesus Ferreira, who's been on fire, he's on form. He, he, it looks like he's only getting better, and he's becoming more of a deep threat, which was probably his biggest deficiency heading into um, you know, the, this past season. Was he, he doesn't run deep. He doesn't have the pace. Well, it's all about timing. You don't necessarily need to have the pace if you have the proper time timing in the right mm-hmm. runs. So I'm starting to see that from him. And then um, Haji Wright could be an X factor. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what he looks like because it comes down to speed of play and his technical ability. If it's there, then he's going to get an opportunity. So I think it comes down to this camp. And I see um, the, the comment, Tillman, can Tillman play as a nine? We don't know. I don't think any of us really know what Tillman's going to look like until we see him on the field with this group. So I'm excited. Um, Tim Weah can definitely be there. And I think with the transfer of, of Jonathan David this summer, maybe that's the opportunity to say, hey, Leal is going to invest in him as the nine for the rest of, of next season. So it's a, it's a good moment for him. Now, I want to make sure that everybody knows that he didn't start in the number nine spot this past weekend against Wren, but when he scored his second one, the goal that I was really excited about, he had moved up to the number nine spot at that particular time. Yilmaz came out, Jonathan David had come out, and right after they came out, like Jonathan David came out in the 86th minute, two minutes later, Timo Weah scores at the number nine spot. Coincidence? I think not. More evidence that the U.S. is better than Canada, even though the table in CONCACAF says otherwise. Keith, talk to me about Timo Weah. Are you want to see him at the number nine, I assume? Maybe? Maybe you want more Ferreira in your life, or you want to see a combination? Because we've have been on the show and have argued that Team Away gives us that verticality. He looks to get in behind, but he's been really threatening out on the wings for us. And I wonder what that looks like if he's not there and he's more centrally located. Yeah, I mean, I like Charlie Shout with uh, Jesus Ferreira, just that ability. You know, you don't have your whole package at the age that he is, and I think he's learning to adapt. You know, you see a lot of these players, they have a good season. Well, people go, okay, we'll just track him everywhere then, and he's going to be ineffective. He's got to be able to now change his game up based on the opponents that are trying to Stop him from doing what he's doing. And we see a lot of players hit that ceiling. And it's good that he's he's starting to understand where that space is or where where his movement needs to be to be able to create chances, knowing that everyone knows that he likes to come up underneath, right? With regard to, to Wea, this is one that, that's interesting to me just because it, it's devastating when you watch Wea play, whether in Liga or with the national team, when his stats aren't, aren't what you hope they would be. Because what he does do is get down to the touchline a lot. He makes the game more predictable. When our national team hasn't really been predictable in our build-up play, he at least goes down, 
you know, they invented corner flags for guys like them because he knows where to put his head up and whip the ball in, right? He just goes forward, whips the ball in. And so I think at the nine spot, my my worry is always like, okay, if he's there, is there fluidity between him and the other and, and the two wingers? Is there ever a world in which we can just get rid of the three central midfield system or have a central midfielder that's a little bit more connected to the nine? Um, just because I want to see him. I, I just, again, continue to... I guess my struggle is I continue to think about our number nine and I know that no matter who you put up there, they're probably going to go long periods without being involved in the game. They're probably going to be asked to have to be perfect with their technique, which we should ask of them, but there could be 15, 16 minutes of, of gaps between them getting the ball in decent spots. Uh, and that's why I always liked Ricardo Pepe there because generally in his first games, he was pretty good at when they got him into the game of laying the ball off and getting back into the box and doing some of those simple things that allow the players around him to get better. Timothy Weah gives us that verticality over the top to stretch teams. I just don't know if like we understand enough of where that space is at times to actually, again, get the most out of Team Weah or Haji Wright or whoever that is, that I continue to think we overanalyze that nine position where I'm starting to wonder if we should be analyzing what's happening around them, the nines that are making our nines struggle to be successful in the national team. Yeah, what I think is interesting is that we might lose a little bit of that width that Timawea provides, that he he gives us that consistent crossing ability when he gets into those spots. Whereas if he goes to the number nine spot, and let's say we have an Aronson in a Pulisic or a Reyna in a Pulisic, those guys like to drift inside a little bit and be more centrally located, which puts more pressure on Anthony Robinson and Serginho Dest, assuming everybody's healthy, to create our width and hit those deep crosses in. But those guys don't necessarily like to hit deep crosses in. They like to get to the, not to the end line, but they like to get a little bit deeper and try to work their magic or look to combine. So Junior just loves to combine and then get those crosses like, you know, low and hard across the ground. Whereas I think that is an area where we could improve as a team is getting into those. I like to call them Trent Alexander. Or, you know, Liverpool does it really well. Robertson on one side and Trent Alexander on the Arnold on the other where they're about eh, 10 yards off the top of the box, but they're just whipping those dimes towards the, the, the penalty spot. And it just, they're dangerous. Are they going to get on the head of everybody? No, but you can win the second ball. You can keep the team under pressure. And Liverpool, obviously, very excellent at that. All right, everybody, we're going to take our first and only break. When we return, we'll keep this part of the conversation going because Charlie's going to get into his thoughts about the roster because he didn't join us in our emergency podcast before because the guy's traveling. Apparently, he's a big deal mm -hmm. with the New England Revolution as well. And we got some gossip. About Christian Pulisic. Yeah, we might we might dabble into the gossip this, this week Ooh, on I In like Soccer that. We Trust. So don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, Charlie, let's talk about your thoughts on the roster before we get to the Christian Pulisic news. Uh, but 27 players called in by Greg Berhalter. Three goalkeepers, Ethan Horvath, Zach Steffen, and Matt Turner. You might have heard of these guys before. Defenders, George Bello, Reggie Cannon, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Aaron Long, Eric Palmer Brown, Anthony Robinson, Joe Scally, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman, his favorite player. Kellen Acosta is a midfield with Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, Weston McKinney, who got some minutes for Juventus in the last weekend of the season, though they lost to Fiorentina, which must have hurt for Vlahovic because he used to play for a few. You know what? Different conversation. Jordi Mihailovic, Yunus Musa, Christian Roldan, Malik Tillman. And then up top, we got Brendan Aronson, Paul Ariola, Jordan Morris, Jesus Ferrer, Christian Pulisic, Timo Wea, and Haji. Right. Pretty, pretty good roster, all things considered, but people clamoring for John Anthony Brooks 
amongst others. Any any misses here? Do you do you like the roster? What are Charlie Davies's overall thoughts on these twenty seven players? No surprises. I'm not I'm not surprised by this roster at all. Um, you know, you have three keepers. Probably all you need for these friendlies. I mean, people could say Gaga Slonina, but he hasn't been playing well, so he hasn't he doesn't even deserve. He's been distracted. Uh, he's got a, he's got two it, countries it, pulling for him. He's distracted. And, and I, I I really do think that has affected his performance. What about I his because, announcement the day that that uh, the roster came out? He announced the for the U.S. He like was trying to flex on the roster. He was. <laughs> well, it's it's almost a, a great thing because you know the U.S. didn't promise him anything. Yeah, that, that's I agree. that's that's coming from his heart to say. Even though I'm not getting called up to the U.S., I still want to represent the U.S. Like I'm not, I'm not in it just to yeah. be on a national team. I'm going with my heart. So I love that. I love that he came out at that point to say I'm, I'm committing to the U.S. Even though I'm not in the picture right now, uh, because he has been distracted. That's a, that's a fact. I think defensively, you're looking at, you know, okay, Cameron Carter Vickers only has eight caps. This is a great opportunity for him because he has been playing consistently with Celtic. So if it doesn't work now. Don't think, don't expect to see him come uh, the World Cup. I think this is his last opportunity to make an impression. Literally, it does not matter what he does the re- the next six months to earn up uh, to earn a, a call up in for the World Cup. If he doesn't really show now, forget it. Eric Palmer Brown, we know what he can bring. I think he's only getting better, so right, I expect right. to see him with this group. Um, through the World Cup, Joe okay. Scally is probably the interesting one here because everyone's talking about, hey, he's playing in the Bundesliga. He did for a moment, but then there's a large, a large spell of not playing. So yeah, first half of the season he was excellent, right? Going to assists, and then back half of the season I think he played 90 minutes twice after the winter break. So, so, I, I so think, did Tyler. So did Tyler Adams. Okay, you know what? We're talking about Joe Scally right now. Heath. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big difference. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. You know, oh, fair, we, we, we got we, this. Is this is the thing about Greg Berhalter's comments where he's talking about. You know, some of these players that didn't call get called in that I talked to, he's talking about playing time, playing time. But there's also guys that have been called in that haven't been getting a ton of that playing time. That wear the captain's armband. But there's the levels. Are super, there's levels yeah, there's this, levels. There is there's levels. levels to hey, this. I'm just saying, baby, we live in a double standard, triple standard, quadruple standard. Wait, I just want to that, point that out. That's how life is. That's how life is. You can't treat everybody the same. If Christian's you, not playing, you're not going to count that the same as Joe Scally not playing. Now, right? now Charlie, I, f- I feel like you're teasing us because you're going through goalkeepers, defenders. Mid- yeah. we, you're our number nine, baby. Let's talk about the number nines. Let's get into the number nines. I love it. I love that Haji Wright is getting called in because I think just from watching him that his skill set looks different and his skill set looks like something that we haven't had. I think a little bit more pace and quickness than Ricardo Pepe, but the size is there and a threat. He's a threat on the wings coming inside. He can he can assist. He can create goals. So I think this is probably – more closer to your Ricardo Pepe type profile that you have someone else who can do it in a, in a different way. So I'm, I'm excited to see, see what he can do hopefully. Cause I think it always is going to come down to technique and tactics. If it's there for Greg Rawlter, he will probably, he will be the guy I think okay. for, for this camp. All right. Talk to me then about Ricardo Pepe because he's a young player. Mm-hmm. You've been in this situation. We've all been in this situation before where you get called in. You, you can tell you're being trusted by the coaching staff. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? Why don't you sit out this one? But yeah. hey, by the, by the, we're, we're fine. We're fine. By the, by the way, this one? Charlie, I mean, put it into context. I was talking to Jimmy about this. I mean, it took you a while to get going in the national team, right? It so did. you felt, felt yourself. And then all of a sudden there was this. And and Jimmy and I were talking about it. you could see flashes and you 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 you're you're waiting for this this moment. And then you arrived, and then you went into this run of form. Uh, I mean, talk about sort of the mentality of just the striker and, and all of that with context of, of your own story um, and, and the time it took you to find that rhythm in the national team. I went to Sweden. It took me six months in Stockholm to get used to the way of training, the training, because in MLS, we know you don't have to train like it's a World Cup every day. And it doesn't dictate who plays on the weekend you're training. Where in Europe, it does. You have a poor training, a couple poor trainings. You're not starting on the weekend. It's it's that serious. So I think for Ricardo Pepe and hearing some of the ways he was training, sometimes not at his best, or he or he's a game time player and not a practice time player. That's that's the the the, the transition you have to make every day playing like it's a World Cup final. It it could be from like small sided 
to you know 11 v 11 to finishing drills you have to perform at your best and you have to do it better than the rest if you want to be playing every weekend that takes a while he didn't have that time to transition into that and, and not only that you're you're competing with the the rest of Bundesliga you're trying to stay up so the emphasis and the pressure is that much more outside of just playing on your group in your team you throw in a u.s men's national team and world cup qualifying there's a lot of different things that are, are distracting that you're trying to focus you don't you're not in a rhythm you're not playing with your club so i think for ricardo pepe it, it's a lot so so what how does he feel then if if it's kind of like he he i, I don't say his comfort zone but his his, he could always go back to the national team and like maybe mm-hmm. refine his confidence. He was around a coaching staff and players that believed in him, and he might not be finding that at Augsburg. Now that's being taken away from him. Whether he needs the break or not, and obviously the coaching staff made that evaluation, but we've all been in that spot before. That's hard because even though you understand where it's coming from, you 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 almost are, are thirsting for it because that's that's where you want to be those are your those are your real friends those are the people that you you know you've gone through the trenches with you haven't done that yet with your current club so if that had happened to you in sweden and all yeah. of a sudden bob bradley whoever the coach was like hey why don't you just stay in sweden charlie we're good we don't need you well i had that i had that happen to okay, me. okay so so how do you handle uh, that because by, by, now, by it's the like way a misery compiler you, like, you have to the only way you can go through it is by producing at your club that's the only way you get through it you can't control who calls you up and when they call you up what you can control is you're playing time at your club. I get it. And and for Ricardo Pepe, they invested 20 million on him. This isn't something that they can eat and live with. They have to f- figure out a solution. So the first solution is figuring a to, uh, figuring a way to get him on the pitch and to to get him scoring goals. Yeah. He he can control his performances. Of course, you, that is you, attitude. Also, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, he played one season. He only uh, played one season at FC Dallas, and he didn't he didn't start oh, the first season, games yeah. behind Franco Franco Hara, and so it, it was like this run of form that. You can overlook like how he trains, his attitude, professionalism, because he's a kid still, right? Someone's got to be able to shape him at this point. And, and you have to also take into consideration the teammates. They, they have to know your strengths and your tendencies. You have to know their tendencies. That takes a long time to get on the same page. A preseason, he didn't get one. So I think Greg Berhalter says, okay, stay at home. You know, Use this as a mental break. It's also you didn't deserve to get called up because you haven't played. So for for Ricardo Pepe, it's going into preseason. The club saying, "Okay, you're, we're going to play you from the start. You're going to have a full preseason. You got to you have to impress with your opportunity. We're going to give you that chance, and then he has to take it. Once he gets going, and he and he's playing like he was at the end of the major league, uh, his major league soccer career to get this move and with the national team, then he's going to vault from in the shadows already back up to the number one option. That's how it works." And and if he is in form and he's scoring goals in the Bundesliga, he's going to be your starting striker come the World Cup. And there, no one's going to ask any questions. There's not going to be any talk of who's our nine if he's banging, he has, if he has 10 to 15 goals come the World Cup already in the Bundesliga. So that's how you settle it is just getting confidence from your club performance, from your club form. And then it's it's all it's all said and done. Hey, Charlie, let me ask you this because we're on this topic of strikers. Should a striker be able to score at any club, any style of play? I mean, does that have anything to do with, like you said, playing to strengths? But yeah, he's jumped criteria? into this. Like, I, I, I would tell you if, if it's me and, and I'm the striker in, in the shoes, you, you can score in any style of play for any type of club. You figure out a way to be successful. And as a, as a striker, even your the job New is to score Jimmy. goals. <laughs> Even as a striker, your job is to score goals. So you figure out a way. And if you're a, a striker who likes to just get in behind and, and not so much coming, checking deep, and a, a team is just sitting deep, then you have to figure out a way to score goals coming in and combining and taking shots outside the box so that the defenders then leave their space and come to confront you. And now you, you've created that space in behind. It's just figuring out different ways throughout a game to make an impact. So I think for Ricardo Pepe, Jesus Ferrer is doing it right now. He's showing, hey, people tell me I can only check and I can only come into the midfield and I have to create space for everybody else and not for myself. Well, now he's saying, hey, I'll get in behind. Let me show you what I can do in MLS. That's only going to make him a better player. And I think a lot of people didn't see that from him before. Now they do. That $20 million price tag is what's hurting him. You, We've all been in the situation where we've been on a team and the coach goes, hey, we've got this new guy coming in. I remember being in Kansas City. I'll, I'll leave the player's name out of this. But but 
they, the coaching staff told us, oh, he had Alan Shearer in his back pocket during the Europa League qualifier or something. And we were like, oh, well, this guy must be pretty good. Dude, the guy could barely turn and run. And they were hyping this dude up. And and not to say that Ricardo Pepe is anywhere near this. I mean, this guy was in his late 20s, early 30s. And, and uh, I don't even know why we signed him. And it didn't work out, obviously. But if you come in with that type of hype, and everybody's going to, all the older guys, everybody's going to be, all right, who's this kid? Let's see what he's got. And if you're, if, and from what I understand, and I think Keith, you said this before, Ricardo Pepe doesn't train well. That's not going to lend itself to winning over anybody on your team. And they're going to be like, yeah, this guy isn't the guy. I don't know why we paid this much money for him. And now you get this stigma attached to you. And it's hard to break that. That first impression is really important. If you didn't have a good first impression, especially for a coach that uh, Michael Parkers came on the show and said that who he played for at Augsburg saying, yeah, this guy's pretty tough. I don't know if that was the best coach for Ricardo Pepe and helping develop a young player. He's that gone could now. Be tough. He is gone. That which I think is a good thing, which I think is uh, is a really good thing. All right, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about Ricardo Pepe and the situation moving forward. I just want to get into the Christian Pulisic gossip because <laughs> we're, so, we're so gossipy here. Uh, Heath, I'm gonna come to you. Apparently, Christian Pulisic took off Chelsea on his Instagram bio. Do you think his dad took his phone? Hey. He texted that to me earlier today. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, it's pretty interesting that he maybe is starting to make moves. Now, he hasn't taken he down his photos. photos. He didn't yeah. delete the photos yet. Yeah. But do you think yeah. this is a sign? Do you think he's just playing kind of the, the, the game I, that has to be played? To, to uh, These guys, got we got American owners coming in. They're not going to want to let Christian Pulisic nope. go. No chance. Yeah. No, I look, when you're in a position that he's in, and I've never – I don't know what it's like to be Christian Pulisic, but I do know what it's like to be in situations that you feel vulnerable or not in control – Sometimes you want to do something that makes you feel in control. Sometimes you want to do something that allows you to subliminally speak. Now, usually it causes more harm than good because look at, look now at we're, Dr. Heath Pierce we're, here at the well, psychology. We're, 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 <laughs> we're, 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 we're talking about it now, which is obviously more harm than good for him. And it's going to cause a lot of drama in his life. But occasionally you just look for those little things that allow you to feel in control, that allow you to feel like that, uh, like, there is this abuse of power towards you and you're not, you don't have anything you want to be able to like sort of make a statement of some kind. And I think they've done that again, Christian Pulisic. I could have done that during my career. No one would have paid any attention. Actually, that's not true. Cause Yanks abroad existed then. And people were like, <laughs> you know, the website, everybody was like yeah, looking yeah. for li little tiny things, but it, he can't do anything because he is a global superstar and it's going to be scrutinized and looked under. And he knows that. And so this is some sort of tactical game or, it could be as simple as Christian Pulisic wanted some a mental health break, and so he uh, he needed to just remove the distractions around him and take things off. But mm -hmm. I don't think that mm -hmm. was the case necessarily because you wouldn't need to. You could just go offline. <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, it's, it's your cl clearly on purpose. Uh, he, uh, excuse me, Charlie, because not only did he take Chelsea out of the bio, he also changed his profile pic from a Chelsea one to him wearing his hat backwards, doing a little juggling out in the park by himself. He's not happy with his playing time and the way he's been used. He knows he should be playing. It, we've seen it when he's at his best. He, for me, he's the best Chelsea attacking player in it that has his qualities in his position. So, Charlie, yeah. hey, wait, 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 Charlie, does does Christian Pulisic follow you on Instagram? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Actually. I just want to know how how unbiased this uh, this, this, <laughs> this this bit is right now. You know, I don't want you, I don't want that. Uh, I don't want for those watching. He got he follows three hundred eighty two people. I don't want him to go to three hundred eighty one. You know, stop it. You know, you know, I, I don't play those games. <laughs> there, there, there's I keep it real. So oh, okay. I okay. I think for sure. me he 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 needs to he needs to go to another place because you know some certain coaches we can make you can break you. Uh, keep you in a certain pot within that group it says, Hey, this is what I can get from him. I, maybe I can use him to motivate. I know how to motivate him. He, if there's someone on the squad that I can take advantage of my relationship with and take, put them on the bench and put the blame on them and know that they won't give in. Those are some of the things that you deal with as a, as a player. I think it would be beneficial for him to go to another club where, where he's going to get more playing time and be the guy and, and see how that works. You know what, everybody? I've got just a club for him. Now, hear me out. It's an American manager. You got Brendan Aronson coming in. Leeds United is the club <laughs> that Christian Pulisic should go to. Tyler Adams is going to go as well. Everybody, that is in Soccer We Trust for this week. We have a special guest coming up for you later this week. It's going to be a surprise. But you know that we deliver the goods. 
every single week with a special guest. So make sure you hit like and subscribe and all the good stuff you do on the podcast platforms as well. So on behalf of producer Alex, producer Dez, Charlie Davis, Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening to Inside Soccer We Trust and we'll see you next time. Later. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 